welcome to Age of Minority, a podcast for youth about the gospel. I'm your host, Jaquel, here with my co-host, pastor, and dad, Sean. Hey, Jaquel. Hey, dad. What's going on? You got that little uh, bun going on there in your hair. Yep, you know, it was a very exciting moment for me. I'm sure we talked about this when I chopped all my hair off back in the summer I couldn't put my hair in a ponytail or a bun and I never realized how tragic that was until I cut my hair that short and so it was very Mm. exciting when my hair was officially long enough to go back in the mom bun Mm, the the bun is exciting, you say. The bun is exciting, and I haven't even told you this. I'm uh, it's kind of it's kind of staying in the bun a lot these days because my hair looks terrible, but I'm getting it done by oh, my yeah, favorite hairstylist. There you go. Um, before she goes on mat leave, and uh, also before I go on mat leave, so in mm. like mid February. And I see you're wearing that nice hoodie that uh, we gave you for Christmas. I am. Yep. My nice, cozy nice and warm. maternity hoodie. Yep. Um, wow. It's all about the comfort at this point. We all know. Okay. What do you think of the weather today? Uh, it's pretty snowy. I'm sitting in you front like of the window. You like that snow? Yep. And it was good because Lucy and I actually went out this morning Ooh. to do, uh, do some shopping for a little baby yeah. sister. Total bust, though. I didn't end up getting anything. Oh, but we bad. went out this morning and uh, we then got home before it started snowing. And so I was, I was glad to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so pretty, uh, I have to say, Mumpa? Mumpa? Mumpa, yeah. Mumpa. Yeah, it's interesting. She's, What's going on? Yeah, that's the, the latest. Mumpa? The latest pronunciation of Grandpa. And it's like, it's like but, a cross between mom and grandpa? Mumpa? Yeah, I. I don't know. I I really don't know what to tell you. She says so many words now, but the pronunciation is painful. I was uh, yeah. trying to like replicate how she says elephant, and it's oh. like it's like what is it? It's like emma mint or something. Oh, but it's sure. like it's like it's very clear she's saying elephant, but sure. it sounds actually nothing like elephant. Man, it's crazy. I, I, our listeners don't know this, but I haven't seen that little monkey in like 10 days, two weeks or so. It's been I forever. Know. Yeah, it's been two and a half weeks at this point. Oh, so. it makes me super sad. I, I'm, I'm just looking at your scene there and I'm looking at that door and I'm just picturing her sitting on the ledge yep. over on the door, <laughs> over by the door. Yep, that's the Lucy's little Ugh. spot. She takes her books over there and her bear and her water and she'll and sit I, there. And I can only imagine that she's probably said like a gagillion more words since I've seen her last yes it's it's crazy and now she really is at the stage like she's a little copycat but she can actually say things now so she (laughs) just is constantly just like repeating things that we say and we're like oh yes that's right that is that word I'm still excited to sneeze in her presence. <laughs> yes. Because I haven't been so blessed cute. by my grandbaby yet. That would be uh, pretty exciting, I must say. It is very cute. And that's something she says really clearly. She does say, bless you. <sighs> enunciates that very, very well. Yikes. So where's your husband today? Is he out working? He is out working in the great land of Truro. Man, I just, uh, speaking of your husband, I just sent pictures of my uh, of my new office to uh, Travis. Oh. And he was very impressed. I said, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out also. Yeah, it, it looks pretty cool. We, Lucy yeah. and I went out and saw it last week, I mm. think. And yeah. I think it's like completely finished on the outside. It just needs the inside now. Yeah, just whenever you are going to paint the siding, right? Oh, yeah. The si- yeah, although I'm not in that big of a hurry. I actually like it as it is right now. I was going to say that, too. I Right now, it's just like a natural wood siding, yeah. and I think it looks cool. It has, like, the rustic vibe. Yeah, it totally does. But, I mean, you know, we'll, once the house is built, then we'll kind of decide where to go from there. I'm kind of more concerned with getting to work on the inside now. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. You know, so because then I can go and use it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool. So Your anything else new in with the woods? My office in the woods. Uh, office yeah. In the woods. So anything, anything else new with you? Since we actually recorded pretty recently, didn't we? It was like less than a week ago. It's true. Yeah. No, I can't really think of anything new since then. All right. Fine then. Let's just get right to it, right? Let's get right to Do it. Do it to it. Yeah. Get, it is get time. to the goods. It's time for another episode in our Calvinism series. And uh, if you... You guys still talking about Calvinism? (laughs) If you are following the TULIP acronym, then you already know what's coming today uh, because we're talking about the U. We're talking about unconditional election today. But even if you weren't following the acronym, you still should know what's coming next because we just talked about total depravity. Yes. Right? It shouldn't matter That's that it true. started with T. It's the fact, if, if you start with total depravity, uh, as Jaquel mentioned in our episode on total depravity, that there's there's nothing that we can do to possibly save ourselves. And so mm. if it's not up to us, then where is it going to go? It's got to go, go to God, right. which, which means that we go to the you, which is, did you mention it already? I did, yes. Yeah, which, which is unconditional election, right? So so this kind of takes things back as far as we can go. If this is our condition, then what needs to happen? If there's if there's nothing in and of ourselves, if every part of ourselves is depraved, if, it, you know, mind, will, desire, thoughts, heart, everything is depraved, then somebody outside of ourselves has to do something so that we will be safe. And this is taking it back all the way to the beginning. Exactly. And as a reminder, like Tulip is really specifically addressing how God saves his people. That's what what we're really tackling in this series. And so we started last week with the bad news with total depravity. And now we're going to really get into, okay, so so how does God take these depraved sinners? What what needs to be done for their salvation? Well, and this is where we really are going to see this this massive distinction, this almost un un. <laughs> unpassable uh, distinction between Arminianism and Calvinism. Like mm. it, it's a huge difference. Whereas it, it's interesting because as you, if you listen to last week's episode, you heard that we were in relative agreement with Arminians on the issue of total depravity, or yeah. uh, shall I say, Arminians were in agreement with us. <laughs> and so, but then if that's the case, then how do you get from, and I guess this is before we even get into this, Jaquel, is how do you get from total depravity to conditional election, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about, let, let's just, let's just, before we even get into huge, huge definitions, let's just parse out the phrase unconditional election. We're saying that the election of God, of his people is unconditional. There's no condition on it, right? Uh, for us. So for a Arminian, they're going to say, no, that there is a condition, mm. Now, how do you get from total depravity to a condition on uh, an election? Well, we did kind of touch on this last week because we were talking about, just a little bit, about the, the view of the human state um, and, and the yeah. human condition. And for Calvinists, you know, we believe in, in total inability, total depravity. Like right. there, there is nothing good within a person that can reach out to God. Yes, God gives uh, people responsibility. Um, yes, we are, are called to repent and believe, but we believe it's a work of the spirit that even, even allows that change to happen. Um, and that that is, it's not based on anything possibly we have done. Now, Arminians, while 
they do also believe in total depravity, they have a slightly different view of the human condition. Um, And they have a different view of free will and what God has enabled the the fallen man to be able to do. Um, And they, they do believe that they have this freedom to choose. That means, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, as you will recall uh, from reading Roger Olson, as well as from reading other Armenians, the issue always focuses on uh, the Armenians desire to protect the character of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, I think I, I want to try to, you know, see, always see the positive in my opponent when it comes to the, theological issues. And especially yeah. in this case, like they're always wanting to protect the character of God. They're looking right. at it and they're saying it, they're saying that if a Calvinist says that God's election of his people is unconditional, well, then what do you do with those whom he doesn't choose? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This is right. where everything becomes a mess. And this is where limited atonement gets so messy, too, because the the. the I don't want to keep referring to the Arminian, but, you know, it it is very difficult when you look at this. You say if God chose some, then he actually didn't choose uh, others. Mm -hmm. Now, as you well know, there's there's double predestination, which which the Arminian would say is the logical conclusion, which I think I would probably agree Mm -hmm. that that God chooses some and he doesn't choose other. He passes over others. So, you know, if you want to say that he 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 predestines some to some to uh, salvation and some to wrath. Okay, great. I don't seem to have a problem with that, especially when we're going to consider scripture later. But I do want to say that the, the, the foundation for the Arminian is to say, well, that doesn't seem to me to be loving. If mm-hmm. God chooses some when he could have chosen all, then that doesn't seem to be loving. And so there's got to be some other, so there's got to be some other explanation. And that's, I think, where the, you know, conditional election comes from and, and other such things such as uh, un- or limited, uh, unlimited atonement, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's a really good point because it's like, it's not just their perspective on humans. It's not just their view of man no. that, that drives no. them to that. Um, but that's a really good point. Like it is their their view of God and their understanding of the character of God. Yeah. Now, now, as you and I both both noted several times as we read through that, it's like, well, look, you don't get to define. <laughs> yeah, we disagree. <laughs> what, still, what is meant by God's mm. character? I, I'm not saying that they're right. I think that it's absolutely wrong. But I do want to note the perspective they're coming at it from. It's always this focus on, well, no, your view of election does not square with my view of the love of God. I mean, mm. there was an entire book written by I forget his name, but an entire book written, and it's called "What Love Is This." Mm. It's a horrible book. I mean, there's much better books to read. Read on Arminianism than that, yeah. but but his point was is that no, if if what you say about election is is true, it's unconditional, and what you say about atonement is true, it's limited. Well, then that doesn't square with me as far as what a loving God looks like. But right. nevertheless, it 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 does come down to like you said, uh, the view of man. So let's let's just get into this. Let's uh, uh, let's take a look at what Calvin says uh, about unconditional election. He says, God is said to have ordained from eternity those whom he wills to embrace in love and those upon whom he wills to vent his wrath. So the the only thing I want to note about that is is that clearly is a a view referred to as double predestination. Hmm. Uh, There is an alternative view. I don't know what you would call it, but it's not the double predestination view. It's basically this: God chooses some, but he passes over others. Whereas, as you saw from that Calvin quote, no, God determines who he's going to save and he determines who he's going to put his wrath upon. Mm-hmm. Which I do, like you said, I agree with Olson, like that, <laughs> that is the logical 
that's the logical place that it goes. Yeah, and I don't personally have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I, I'm not sure why people have a problem with double predestination. Uh, I think I think it's a logical conclusion. So there you yeah. go. Um, now let's deal with the Arminian. Yes. Perspective. Yes. Okay. So, and this is interesting too, because when I was uh, very young and just learning about Calvinism, I had a very mistaken idea that Arminians didn't actually believe in election. But that is right. very not true because the Bible speaks very plainly about election. And so, like we've kind of yeah. already said, no, Arminians do believe in election because all Christians believe in election, but they just yeah. have this different perspective. Okay. So yeah, I want to... You, you, you got to believe something about it. I mean, it's clearly yeah. mentioned in scripture. You can't deny the fact that election exists. You just need to be able to explain it in a way that lines up with what you believe about it. Right. Okay. So I have two quotes that I would like to share. The first is is by Roger Olson, and he's actually uh, articulating what John Wesley believed okay. about uh, about election. But but Roger Olson is affirming it as a classical Arminian. So okay. this is the view: salvation is given by God to the person who freely responds to the gospel with repentance and faith, which are not gifts of God or good works, but human responses to God's gift of prevenient grace, which is what restores freedom of the will. This grace is resistible, not irresistible. It is given in some measure to everyone. And here we go. Election is simply God's foreknowledge of who will freely receive this grace unto salvation and who will reject it. And then reprobation is simply man's rejection of this grace and God's foreknowledge of that. Okay, so I have a few things to say. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a ton of things to say. I mean, the, the, my, my first issue is salvation is given by God to the person who freely responds. How does a totally depraved person freely respond? Mm, yeah. I, I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, four or five days ago when we recorded the last episode. We looked at Romans chapter three. We don't even have to look back at there. I mean, there is none who seeks after God. There's no mm. one who does good. How does a person freely respond? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, and then this is another thing we, we would say we also believe in free will, but we have a very different understanding of True. what free will is compared to an Arminian perspective. Yeah. I guess the other thing I would say is that you see what the conditions are here, right? Like, so he mm. says salvation is given by God to the person who freely responds to the gospel with repentance and faith. There are the conditions. Yeah. Repentance and faith are conditions for, for sorry to know. It's interesting because I mean, like we're talking about election. Right. Like we're talking about, I'll never forget when I was in a, it was one of my first seminary classes. I know you recall this, Jaquel, but I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the pod. I'll never forget in one of my, I think it was my hermeneutics class and the prof, it was my favorite prof. And and he asked the whole class, he said, when were you saved? Mm. And, 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 you know, I'm just sitting there. And I mean, like I was, as you know, I went as a mature student. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how mature (laughs) I was. That was a nice way to put it. (laughs) I was a fair bit older than everybody else. And everybody's answering. I'm just like, I'm just in the back just waiting. He's not going to pick me. I, I know this prop pretty well. A- anyway, everybody's, you know, telling about their conversion story and everything. And and then I don't even remember what happened because I was just like, come on, just pick me and I'll put an end to all this. Because, <laughs> you know, the, 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 it, it was actually focusing on um, 
un- unlimited atonement that we were actually saved at the cross. That's mm. when you were actually saved. And we'll get into that more next week. But but the point is, is that like we want to take it back all the way to, to God. Like we want to start salvation. We want to see salvation begin in the mind of God. Mm. Like this, this focuses on, on the decree of God. So anyway, th- this, this, this is this is conditional election. The the conditions upon election are repentance and faith. Now, the interesting part is, is that um, I pulled out a Burkhoff quote, and wow. uh, and Burkhoff deals with this issue. He says, "Election does not in any way depend on the foreseen faith or good works of man." Now, here he's he's saying that it's the condition is repentance yeah. of faith. Burkhoff says, "No, it, it doesn't depend on the foreseen faith or good works of man, um, but exclusively on the sovereign good pleasure of God." Like this is. This is the the point. Like through all of this, we want to put salvation in the hands of God from beginning to end. Right. And so, so we go back to the very beginning when He ordains who He saves and who He doesn't save, not based on any condition whatsoever. Now, the only other only other comment I have about that quote from Olson is when he says, "Election is simply God's foreknowledge of who will freely receive so on and so forth." The point is, he's saying election and foreknowledge are essentially one and the same thing. So, I have two things to say about that. Number one. No, <laughs> like, wow. like no election. God's choosing whom He's going to save, and God's mm-hmm. foreknowledge of who He's going to save are not the same thing. And second of all, so what if they were? Like, 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 so what if they were? You're disconnecting His foreknowledge of something from His uh, from His plan, from His mm-hmm. counsel. Like He knew something, but He wasn't going to make it happen. Like what? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I think like one of the the things that I think is the biggest issue is it, it really does like s- make God passive. Like it it takes the it action. <laughs> it takes the the action the the power um a- away from God in one sense because it says no election is not actually this active <laughs> active thing that God is doing. It's yeah, it's simply his omniscience. It's simply him looking down the corridors of time, seeing who will believe, yeah. and that that is the election. And I, I don't think that squares with what scripture says about how God elects people. And if, it, and if it's based on his foreknowledge, here's my question. What is his foreknowledge based on? Mm. Right? right. Of course, my, my belief is that his foreknowledge is based on his his eternal decree. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So now, 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 Jekyll, we have mentioned that you know an Armenian does have to address the issue of uh, election. So, so uh, I think you pulled out a quote from somebody that uh, yes. that addresses how they address election. In other words, you know, we would say that God chooses specifically whom He's going to save and who He's going to pour His wrath on. Oh no! How would the Armenian view? Uh, election. Yeah, well, I think, so the second quote I pulled out specifically because of the verses that we're going to get into. For example, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Romans 9. And and (laughs) I think it's important to recognize that Arminians do have a response to Romans 9. Mm -hmm. They do have a response to to election in the New Testament specifically. And so I pulled this quote from William Klein, who was someone that Roger Olson also quoted. So I I think this is a fair quote um, from his book, The New Chosen People. And so this is an Arminian understanding uh, of, of election and specifically the way the New Testament talks about it. God has chosen the church as a body rather than the specific individuals who populate that body. So, so that's the quote. So they would say that God elects the church, but that the passages referring to election, referring to predestination in the New Testament are not actually talking about 
individuals. It's just talking about the whole community of the church. Yeah, ba- basically, it's that it, you know whoever is in Christ is who mm. is chosen, and right. and and it's not referring to any specific people. Now, interestingly enough, that if you look at those passages, they actually use individuals to make their point. Jacob and Esau, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Paul uses individuals, but but you know, now I will say this as well. Um, you know, some Armenians have an answer for this, and others don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is I've talked to people who have been in Armenian churches and I, I said, uh, you know, what, what did the pastor do with the Romans 9 through 11 when they got, oh, you know, what about Ephesians 1? Oh, yeah, never. We never heard sermons on Romans 9 mm-hmm. through 11, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, I mean, Calvinists have our tough passages too. For sure. we, we've got passages we have to deal with, but but the, re- the reality is, is that, the, you know, you have to come up with some explanation of what election is all about. Mm-hmm. And and I guess if, if God, like, even still, like... I don't know. I have a hard time knowing even how to respond to that because even if, you know, that was a proper understanding that God has chosen the church. Well, if he's chosen the church as a body, then hasn't he chosen who's going to be in the body? And furthermore, like if he knows who's going to be in there again, like I I, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me if you recall from our reading of Olson, like, like, do they have a real issue with God's foreknowledge? Uh. I don't think so. I, I don't think the issues with foreknowledge. And so the, the to me, it, it just always comes down to if God already knows, well, then what is that knowing based upon? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, I mean, and that takes us to, to probably our first passage we would look at, which would be Romans 8. Yeah. Um, in Romans 8, 29 through 30, he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Uh, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So, so there, I mean, like the the main thing I want to pick up on is that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Mm. So he foreknew them. How did he foreknow them? Because he had already chosen them. He had predestined them to become uh, conformed to the image of his son, to become a, a Christ follower. Right. So. And then, yeah, it's interesting again, like from there, we're going to go right into Romans 9 where he's talking about individuals. Um, But even still, like the whole context of Romans 8 is is Paul is like (laughs) talking to believers about their salvation, talking about how there's no condemnation for them anymore. Um, And while I guess... Like, I guess I, I understand an Arminian saying that, no, that's, it's, you know, it's just all about the church. I just, I just like, don't think that makes as much sense with all of Paul's like argument leading up to it. And then as no. we get into, into Romans nine here, I just like, wouldn't be as much of a comfort. I think if, if Paul's like, well, God just like chose, chose all believers everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. He well, seems to be focusing on the individual. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Romans 9. Um, I mean, like you said, Romans 9 through 11, <laughs> we could, yeah. that's that's really what uh, we should talk about, but we are not going to read all of that. I think Romans 15 and 16 maybe have are a good place to start. We can quote other verses throughout there if needed. Um, but Romans 9, 15 and 16, Paul says, uh, for he, that's God, says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Which is also just an interesting translation that ESV has like, literally doesn't mm-hmm. depend on man's will. Mm-hmm. On man's free will. <laughs> literally doesn't depend on that. Well, and, and I, like, I think you were where you started was a great spot. But if you look at just like one verse before there, as it is written, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hated. That was that mm-hmm. verse I was referencing. He's yeah. actually using individuals. Like if you look at it and you go, no, why? 
Like, why Jacob and not Esau? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. And Paul says, well, let me explain it to you. God does what God wants to do. Right. He shows mercy who he wants to show mercy to, and he shows compassion. And and this is what I find so interesting, as we mentioned, you know, prior to this whole conversation, is that the whole issue seems to be one, a, a desire to protect God's character. And what does Paul say? Paul says, God will show mercy on whom he shows mercy. It's not up to you to say, wow, you know, how could he save this person and not that person? What we should be saying is, how can he save any person? Mm. If we truly believe in total depravity, how does any person get saved, Jacob or Esau? You know, this this just shouldn't shouldn't make any sense to us. And then we look at Paul and Paul says, man, you know, God shows compassion. He shows mercy to whom he chooses to. And we're like, wow, you know, and you get goosebumps on your arms. You're like, man, this is incredible stuff. So yeah. And I'm in Genesis right now in my devotions and like, goodness, like this just comes up again (laughs) and again that God does not, you know, choose these like generic groups he does Mm. not choose the the lovable person he does not choose the the person with the redeemable qualities Mm. um and furthermore i know we're not really gonna you know get deeply into like the election of israel and all that stuff um but when you think about the fact that like god (sighs) didn't just elect israelites all right so he uh, elected (laughs) rahab you know there were elected Mm -hmm. ruth like there were other other people um and it was just all about not the person it was just all about god and who he sovereignly determined to save well, and even like you say, I mean, I'm, I'm in Genesis also, seeing as I just started my Bible plan as you did. Right. But but the, the the point there is is that like, so what if it's a group? You know, it, it's clear that in the Old Testament, God chooses, like you mentioned, some of the others that did make it in that that were chosen. But overall, it was generally Israel. Now, you know, Paul goes on to explain that not all who are Israel are Israel, so on and so forth. And like you said, that's not really the point. But I don't know how you get through the Old Testament and not see that God chooses some and not others. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just I just don't even see it. That seems to be the narrative from the very beginning uh, until Jesus arrives. And so why mm-hmm. would we think that God would change the way he does things yeah. when when all of a sudden the church comes along it's it, it I, I don't i don't know i think the old testament is is uh, some of the most uh you know st- strongest uh, uh argument for unconditional election but well i think paul uh, thinks that too that's why he quotes the old well, testament throughout exactly. romans 9 to make his argument Exactly. Sticking with Paul, uh, you got Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, uh, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we Calvinists, we love to go back to them. When did the election take place? It took yeah. place before the foundation of the world, before you ever could repent and put your faith in Christ. Um, and and it, what, what were we chosen for? That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, see, this is another thing I hit on all the time. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Mm. So, so I mean, like, you know, you, you go down to verse 11 and him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him, right? The purpose mm. of him who works all things according to counsel. So not according to our purpose. No, right. it's, it's not based on anything that, that we've done. It's, it's all based on God and his eternal decree. Yeah, and again, this is uh, this is showing God as incredibly active here. He is working things yeah. out according to the counsel of His will. All right, this isn't just Him, you know, merely knowing something, but Him actually doing something. Yeah. Now, now there's there's other passages we could go to, but I think we should probably try to get wrapping things up here. And I think the first question I'd have for you, because we want to, we always want to make an application here. Yeah. And, and, and so there, there's, I guess, kind of two things I want you to consider. Number one. What is the alternative, 
right, to our position. Like, let's let's mm-hmm. just state that. Uh, and and what difference will that make, as opposed to what difference it should make if you have this understanding of unconditional election? So so first of all, how is how is it going to influence your life, your Christian life, your Christian walk? if you believe that election is conditioned upon something in you, uh, well, any, in anything and make it anything. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter if it, if there's any condition whatsoever in you, how is that going to impact your life? I think it's going to make it a lot more stressful. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just like I, you would have to be a lot more, a lot more introspective, I think. Yeah. Um, it would scare you a lot, I would think. I, I'll tell you what it would, I think it would do for me. I think pride, which I already have a big enough issue as it is with, mm. I think pride would be a big part. Yeah. Uh, sure. I, I mean, like, you know, I think what Paul wants us to recognize is that uh, if we understand what Scripture says about salvation, then boasting will be a obvious, like, no. <laughs> like, well, hard exactly. no. What do I got to boast in? We, we are the clay. He is the potter. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's the dynamic. Well, and, and I, I mean, I just think that this, this can't help but um, embolden your, your passion for worship, mm. your love for God, when you realize that n- none of it has anything to do with you. Like right. it, it, it should just be a, a, a natural lead into humility. Now, oftentimes it's not. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why that is, but uh, it, it, it really should increase our humility and it should increase our, our love for God and our worship, like our worship should be more more emboldened. So, yeah, it, it also is just a deeply comforting doctrine to me. And I, I think that it was to Paul as well, because you think about yeah. the contexts that he talked about it, even in Ephesians 1. So it's like mm. his greeting, but he is... He's writing to encourage the believers and he's like reflecting on the character of God and how God predestined us to salvation, you know, before the world began. And that is comforting mm-hmm. because on our worst days, you know, mm-hmm. when when we mess up, there is nothing we can do to get away from the love of God when he, when he has set that love on us unconditionally, not based on anything we do, anything we wouldn't do. Um, that. Yeah, like that's amazing. Well, if 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 election was conditional, if you had some part in that whatsoever, then why couldn't you unchoose yourself? If you chose yourself, mm-hmm. why couldn't you unchoose yourself? Yeah. So, anyway, ho- hopefully this has been helpful. Um, you know, I want to remind our listeners: we're not here to be bashing on Arminians, we're no. not in any way, shape, or form. Um, obviously, we we want to be clear about what we believe, and and uh, we want to challenge. Uh, you know, those who have different views or similar views, we want to challenge. I mean, like, even if you have similar views, you know, we don't want you just to be living in an echo chamber and just no. being like, you know, listening to all the people that say exactly what you want to say, it's, it, or exactly what you want to hear, I should say. Um, you know, we want you to be thinking about this, about, you know, and considering what the Bible says about it. So hopefully, um, wherever you fall on the, on the, on the scope, whether you're Arminian or Calvinist or Amaraldian, something we'll talk about on our next episode, um, you know, wherever you are, uh, hopefully this has encouraged you to get back into the scriptures, get more into the scriptures, see what the scriptures say uh, about this. But uh, if people want to reach out and talk to us in any way, shape or form, how can they do that? 
So they can find us on our website, ageofminority.com, which is also oh, yeah, where website. I list the resources that we recommend and talk yes. about each episode. So like the two Arminians that we quoted, we will have links mm. to their books that you can go find. Uh, so that's ageofminority.com. You can also email us at Jaquel or Sean at ageofminority.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also find us on Spotify where you can leave us a nice, mm. lovely rating. Um, yeah. And if you feel like sharing some words as well, you can head over to Apple iTunes and leave us a, a lovely five-star rating and a review as well. All right. Then you can comment on Jaquel's fun, except that you can't see it. <laughs> exactly. Remember, this is an audio show. But, but people need to know that you got the bun. I am. I have a bun. My hair is in a bun right now. And I do not. <laughs> no. No. Well, how about that? <laughs> All right. On that note, until next week, Jaquel. This has been Age of Minority.